What's good, guys? Welcome back to the Run Free Podcast. This is episode number 56, and this one's going to be all about recovery nutrition, and then we're going to get into, actually, we're going to start with, should you gain or lose weight during the off-season? So stay tuned, guys. It's going to be good. Thanks for joining us on the journey. All right, guys. How do you guys like that intro music? Whoa, I'm impressing myself right now. I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> it was so easy too, guys. Okay, anyways. Man, excited for this one. Excited to be chatting again. Sorry it's been a while, guys. Life has been crazy on my end. Got back from London, home a couple days. Took an awesome retreat weekend to Carmel with my buddies. And then got home for a couple days. It's like four or five days. So that was like a long stretch for us being in flag for that long. And Sarah texts me. I'm out doing errands. She texts me. She's like, hey, I want to go to Crested Butte today. <laughs> Which is so classic, Sarah. If you guys know Sarah, that's, that's totally her style. Spontaneity and adventure. That's like who Sarah is. So, so I get this text and I'm just like trying to catch up on life, right? And I'm like, oh, I just want to stay home for like two weeks that'd be amazing but uh you know me being me i'm also up for a little adventure a little spontaneity and so i was like all right well i'm not going today but we can go tomorrow so i'm recording today looking at beautiful mount crested butte again and i'm stoked guys because i've been meaning to climb this mountain for a super long time every time i've been up here this summer i'm just eyeing this thing it's got this epic peak if you haven't seen it just like tabletop tiny little peak and every time i drive past it i'm like i gotta get to the top of this mountain it's like 12,100 feet at the top and i knew i was like it's just gonna be epic up there it's such a pointy top and uh, finally got a chance to do it after many failed attempts with my kids for various reasons, everything from lightning to smoke to being carbed, depleted for my youngest daughter, Lily. And uh, actually, the little girls didn't make it up. I, uh, I, I blitzed it by myself and sent them back down with one of my runners, Mo, who's up here training with us. But man, if you get a chance, look at my Instagram. I post a video from the top. Video doesn't even do it justice, but it is beautiful. So anyways, I'm recording, looking at this beautiful mountain right now. So feeling extra inspired today and just really excited to hop in today's episode. So uh, today we're going to be talking about should you gain or lose weight is kind of where I wanted to start in the off season. So obviously I've been thinking about this. Um, Sarah coming out of London, she's kind of going through this transition phase of taking a down week and then slowly kind of getting back into things. She's getting ready for the marathon project on December 20th down in Phoenix, which is going to be a lightning fast course. It's going to be set up to run fast. So it's her opportunity to get to chase a time. So we are kind of, we did take a full break, but we're also kind of recycling things and getting her back moving again, thus in Crested Butte at super altitude recording this podcast from about 9,400 feet. So if I sound out of breath, it's because I am out of breath. So forgive me for my lack of cardio and uh, fitness to be able to record a podcast for 50 minutes without losing my breath at 9,500 feet. But anyways, guys, all right, so let's talk about it. Should you gain weight or lose weight or just maintain weight um, after you finish your goal marathon? So this is one that I've been chewing on, honestly, for a long time. And feel like I've recently kind of gotten a lot of clarity on how to advise people through this. It's been a little bit tricky for me because my story, guys, is I had to gain weight in the off season. Like 
every single time. So I ran, I don't know how many marathons I ran professionally, but about a dozen. And every single time I didn't gain weight right after my, my last goal marathon, the next marathon buildup, it would start really good because I'd be in better shape and lighter. And so running better workouts early on in the buildup. And then it was just like a slow downward spiral in terms of fitness, in terms of how I was feeling. And the next race always either went terribly or I didn't even make it to the starting line because I just got too fatigued within the training. My body couldn't even sustain the training load and didn't even make it to the start line. So that is my story. And then, you know, talking to guys, like I remember in Beijing, um, having breakfast with Bernard Lagat, who's a huge hero of mine. If you guys don't know Bernard, he's the second fastest 1500 meter runner of all time on the planet, 326 guy. Um, and just an amazing dude and i remember he used to tell me he used to put on a bunch of weight in the off season as well and i've talked to you a lot and observed a lot of african runners who also put on a decent amount of weight in the off season so i kind of did that throughout my career and then i got to a point where i got a little bit weird with my weight trying to get lighter and leaner believe in the lie that if you get lighter and leaner you're gonna run faster and uh so I stopped doing that at points and, and that, like I said, never worked for me. So my tendency is to be like, okay, like if Bernard's doing it, if all these African guys are putting on weight in the off season, um, if it worked for me, then it must work for everyone else across the board. Now, the reason why this put me in a tricky position, because then I'm observing Sarah's training, coaching her and seeing her weight not really fluctuate much at all. Um, she does not put on maybe a pound or two and obviously maybe, like I don't even think she puts on that much and it works really well for her. So I'm kind of in this like middle ground of like, so what is it? And, and this is classic for me, like how I tend to view the world is this dualistic mindset of either it's either or right so it's not and but it's either or either you put on a bunch of weight or you don't put on a bunch of weight and one of those is the answer when really like there's this whole scale of like putting on a little bit of weight it doesn't have to be this like bipolar thing of either you need to put on weight or you don't and everyone's going to fit differently on the spectrum so i've been kind of chewing on this one for a long time as i'm coaching athletes and and having this podcast talking to you guys and I want to be able to advise you well so i didn't really feel equipped to even fully talk about this until i felt like i had gotten a good handle on it myself from my perspective and the perspective that i'm gleaning from working with the athletes that i'm working with so here's kind of where i landed all right, I'm gonna try and make this like as simple and straightforward as possible. So what really helped me was to think about for myself, what is my natural body weight? Okay, so I'm looking at two things actually. I'm looking at what is my natural body weight? Meaning if I wasn't a runner, if I wasn't into weightlifting, if I was just a normal dude eating normally, walking around with the normal amount of activity, not a runner, where would I usually sit at? Where, where would be my set point? You know, we all kind of have different set points in terms of our body's build, our genetic makeup, all these different factors go into it. So if I'm just like a normal guy, where would I be? And I can get a pretty good idea of this, of looking at my siblings, right? So I'm in the middle of five kids and not all of us are runners, not all of us are weightlifters. So I can look at say my, my not my youngest brother, Chad, but my younger brother, Craig, who is just kind of like a normal dude. And he sits 
right around, I think he's right around 165-ish, right? So I kind of feel like if I was just a normal guy, I'd probably look like how Craig looks and I would probably sit around that weight. So then I'm also looking at, okay, well, what is my, what race weight do I know I'm the strongest at? And I've talked about this before on this podcast, guys. I might get into a little bit later on here, but you got to find like your race weight. Like what weight are you the strongest at? And so kind of the, the revelation that's come for me with this, guys, is seeing, okay, I, normally I should be around 160, 165, just ballparking that. And you don't got to have like a perfectly dialed in number of what that would be, but just like a general idea of like based on my siblings, based on what my body is predisposed to do. So if I take time off, do I naturally just put on a bunch of weight? It, like if I don't even change my nutrition, like obviously my body wants to be bigger than it actually is. And I'm controlling my body weight through my training and my nutrition and what I'm doing. But if I wasn't doing those things, I think I'd naturally sit around X weight. So knowing that and then knowing, okay, I always raced my best at 137 pounds. So for my body to sit in a normal, healthy state, it wants to be at 160, 165 ballpark. Now to race at its best, it needs to be at 137 pounds. So looking at the difference, right? So I'm looking at like a 20, over 20 pound swing in body weight from what is healthy for me to what I race the best at. And if you want to like get deeper into that, well, what do I race the best at? You can look back at um, uh, previous podcast episodes where I talk about that. I can't remember the name, the title off the top of my head, but you can scroll through our previous episodes and find like how to find your race weight is one of our episodes. So all this to say, when I am at 137 pounds, I'm pretty far away from what is a healthy body weight for me, right? Whereas take someone like Sarah, for example, what she sits at and what she'd normally be at isn't that much different, right? If she was just a normal woman, just walking around doing normal things, normal level of fitness, she'd probably be right around the same weight that she races really well at. So some of us just have smaller body types, right? We're smaller people. You look at Africans, Kenyans, Ethiopians, and they've actually helped me kind of like understand this as well. Because when I look at them, I look at my daughters who are Ethiopians. They're, my youngest two daughters don't run at all, right? They're just normal kids. And so, but still, they just have tiny little frames, right? Narrow shoulders, narrow hips. Like they're just smaller people, right? So for them, they don't need to be 10 pounds under what is their normal healthy body weight if they were to choose to be elite marathoners, right? And same for Sarah, like she doesn't need to be way underweight to be at a good marathon weight for her. So you can kind of do the same thing for yourself. Where would I normally sit? And then when I'm at race weight, how much under optimal healthy living weight am I? And if it's way, way under like how I was, then you're probably a candidate for needing to put on weight in the off season. And if you don't, you're probably liable to have experiences similar to me where I'm having hormonal dysfunction, dishealth, um, feeling really fatigued, not able to do a high level of training. So these are kind of, that's the most helpful thing I can give you on determining do I need to lose weight do in the off season or 
should I gain weight? So now kind of flipping to like, do I need to lose weight? So some kind of helpful things, um, just really straightforward stuff. First of all, it is helpful if you do body fat tests, right? So if you're just super, super lean, that is a challenging state for your body to be in. And one that I would argue is not great to maintain year round and even guys like bodybuilders you know as i get into bodybuilding and studying other sports they say the same thing and they notice their hormonal health goes way down their energy levels go way down their quality of life goes way down when they're at competition body weight like under five percent for guys i don't know what it'd be for girls um because i'm you know more studying studying the guy bodybuilders um, but just getting super super lean is not sustainable even for someone who's like a bodybuilder and they're not even so much focused on performance in the gym they're not focused on trying to get stronger necessarily it's all aesthetics right it's all like how they look and even for them it's not healthy for them to be super super lean year round so body fat test is a great way to know where's my body fat at let me just take a second to talk about the reliability of body fat tests because i've definitely played with body fat tests a lot and uh it's really interesting and hard to find something that is accurate with the exception of dexa scans so if you guys don't know what a dexa scan is it's basically like getting an mri and it's going to tell you exactly what your body fat is at. It's the most accurate way. It's going to tell you like what your skeletal weight is, what your fat weight is, what your muscle weight is. And it's even going to compare like limb to limb. So really interesting. Um, you can, you, if you just like Google search DEXA scan in your area, you might be able to find a place to get a, a scan. It can be a little bit pricey, um, but I definitely, I was getting those throughout my career as a pro runner. And then comparing that to these like scales that use, um, you know, formulas, how tall you are, your, um, your age, your weight, and then it's, it's sending electrodes through your feet or whatever as you stand on the scale. And those things, guys, they're just not super accurate. In my mind, in my opinion, kind of a waste of time. <laughs> but that's me, guys. Like maybe, maybe you like to use it just for comparison, see change for yourself. But to me, it's just not reliable enough to actually get information that's useful. So if you are interested in knowing your body fat, I would go the DEXA scan route. So another kind of simple, cheaper way to know of like, hey, should I be leaning out? because if you never got down to your ideal race weight, then you probably don't need to put on weight, right? So like for me, for example, if my race weight is 137, but say I'm training for a marathon, I only got down to 142, then what I typically liked and worked for me when I was running professionally was to come into my next marathon buildup about 10 pounds heavier than my race weight. And then I could gradually, very, very gradually, like like half a pound a week kind of gradual, lose that weight as I was training for um, my major marathon coming up. And I always felt really strong when I did that. And I felt like my body had a little bit of something in it to give, right? Whereas if I went into a marathon buildup super lean and light and not race weight or close to race weight, then I felt like I just had, I, I felt like I was pushing hard on the gas and it was just revving the engine. So like nothing to give. And maybe you guys have felt that before too in your training where you're just like, 
man, things are just not clicking. I feel like I'm hitting my head against the wall. I feel like I'm just revving the engine, trying really hard, but not getting results. If that's the case, this might be something you want to look at is going into your next marathon buildup. And of course it depends on size, right? So, you know, for me to go in my marathon buildup, 10 pounds heavy as a guy going in at one, say it's 47 and then getting down to 137 is a lot different than a, a female athlete who might be at 110 pounds she might not want to go in 10 pounds heavier but be more towards the five pounds heavier and then gradually lose that as it gets down to to marathon weight and let me just say this too you know this podcast is all about the internal what's going on and a lot of what was helpful for me in putting on the weight because it can be as runners we get kind of into this like we love being lean and light and feeling good and that's 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 a cool part of what we do right like it does like it, it puts us in a healthy state with like lean bodies which is i think totally fine to enjoy but you have to like let go of that right and so for me, it was helpful to think when I was putting on the weight, because I didn't always like putting on the weight. In fact, I hated putting on the weight, to be totally honest. Like I'd beat myself up about it and be like, why did I put on this weight and get frustrated and get emotional and get all down on myself? And it could get, put me in a really bad mental spot. But what helped me mentally to put on the weight was to see it as training weight. Like I literally saw it as like, I'm putting, I'm strapping weights on my body and I'm be t these weights are gonna make me stronger from my next buildup. And as I take them off, I'm gonna get faster just by losing this extra weight. So seeing it as a positive thing, framing it in my mind as a positive thing was super, super helpful in me being okay with adding the extra weight in the off season because it wasn't, a part of my running that I enjoyed. And I, I did, I prefer to not put on the weight, right? But like I said, that never worked when I did that. So body fat can be a helpful way of knowing if you need to put on weight or lose weight. Um, another thing is just simply grab, like, so we all have areas of our body where when we put on weight, like that, this is the first area we put on weight. So like for me, for example, when I put on weight, the first place I notice it, and I'm noticing it right now because I'm like trying to add muscle and size and strength, but with that comes putting on some fat as well. So I'm definitely getting a little bit soft currently and telling myself these same things I'm telling you guys with like framing it as a positive thing and focusing on the good and not like, oh, I hate getting softer. I hate how I look right now, but rather being like, I love feeling stronger in the gym. I love being able to push more weight than I've ever pushed. I love I'm building something here and there is a cost to building something and part of the cost with like bodybuilding for example is like I'm gonna put on muscle but I'm also gonna have to put on a little bit of fat that's just like part of the journey that's part of what comes with it but framing it in my mind as a positive thing is what enables me to be okay with putting on the weight but all that to say going back to what I was talking about for me where I put on weight first is it like in my I feel it in my abs right like my core and especially like my low abs and I think that's pretty typical for guys girls it can be a little bit different you might put it on different spots but we all kind of know like where do you put on your weight first and side note that'll also be the last place that you lose the weight when you're training for your marathons or like for me when I'm starting to lose weight as it gets into the springtime like that will be the last spot where I'll lose the weight so you put it on first there you lose it last there so in those areas so like for example if I can like grab belly fat on me 
like I know, okay, I'm not too lean, you know? So like if I was running professionally and I finish my marathon and I still have like grabbable, like I'm talking like you can grab it, you can shake it, <laughs> you can feel it like fat on your belly, then you're probably okay, right? You probably don't need to be putting on weight. Now with that said, I am going to get into now, I wanna make sure I'm hitting on everything I wanted to hit on. Um, one one other thing before I get into, like I wanna get into the nutrition aspect, right? And how your nutrition should look in your off season. Cause this is something I royally screwed up in my career and I just wanna make sure you guys don't do the same thing. But before I get into that, um, another way you should know that you should need to gain weight is just by checking in on your hormonal health. So this is gonna be something that's a little bit easier for women to measure than guys. And that is like, so I, I do coach women athletes and women at a high level, and I do not like for them to not be getting their period, right? So um, for girls, if you haven't had your period in a while, like that's something where I'm like, okay, we need to get that back, right? And the off season is a great time to do that. So um, measuring that for women. And then guys on the guy side, I really encourage you, measure your testosterone levels. I don't know why I didn't measure my testosterone levels earlier on in my career. With that said, not a lot I could have done about it. I tried to you know, manipulate my testosterone levels through a higher fat diet and through natural supplements that were fully legal and nothing worked for me ultimately. But I did notice this as I started to measure it later on in my career, my testosterone levels would be super low towards the end. And like I said, when you're super lean, it's really hard on hormonal health. So it totally makes sense that my testosterone levels were at their lowest, like right before the marathon or even right after the marathon. And then I did, I remember one time before buildup, I measured it like towards the end of my buildup. It was clinically low. And then I took two weeks break, put on 10 pounds, ate a ton of food, and my testosterone was back into the normal level, still on the lower end of clinically normal, um, but it did, and I noticed a huge difference in how I was feeling, in my energy levels, my motivation, all that stuff. So guys, I think the best way to measure um, your hormonal health is simply by going and getting a blood test, checking your testosterone levels. I like to, by the way, it really affects um, your results based on when you go in to get your test. So I really advise guys like go in, get, I like to get my test done like around 10, 11 a.m. Um, testosterone levels are highest in the morning and then apparently in the afternoon as well. I think like around three o'clock, I can't remember exactly what it was, which that seemed weird to me because you know, usually people are struggling with uh, energy issues at that time. So it's kind of weird that it comes back up, but I always like to test it in the morning when it would potentially be at its highest, um, just because the results are more encouraging that way. And you're just getting a read of, okay, like, you know, when my testosterone is at its highest during the day, it, it's in a pretty good spot, so I must be okay. So um, measuring that testosterone level, knowing where you're at, and if it's super low, you might just need to take some a couple weeks off from endurance-based activity. You could even do some heavy weightlifting and then changing up the diet to optimize your hormones, which brings me to the next section I wanna talk about, and that is recovery nutrition during this two-week break. How should you eat 
So you just ran your goal race, whether it's a marathon, 5K mile, whether you're in college, high school, whatever it is, you've been focusing on this thing for six months, half a year. You run your race. You're taking a little bit of downtime, whether that's running every other day or taking complete rest. You say you're taking a two-week period, which is kind of what I like to do um, with myself and with my athletes. How should you eat? How should your nutrition change during this time? Like I said, I screwed this one up big time royally when I was running professionally and just totally went off the handle. It was like a never-ending donut eating competition. (laughs) Do not do that, guys. Please don't do that. It was so stupid. And like I said, I felt terrible afterwards, right? It's one of those things where feels it feels good in the moment you know you're getting some tasty food but then you just feel like trash afterwards and go on emotional roller coasters not a healthy thing to do i would not do that again if i could go back and do everything all over again and you guys should not do that either um with that said one of my points i'm kind of skipping ahead of myself here a little bit is this is a good time to relax on your diet though right so I think a healthy place, if I could go back and do things over again, would be like, okay, like I am gonna enjoy like desserts with dinner, whatever, once a day, not a big deal during this two week period, right? I'm gonna eat stuff that I wouldn't normally and relax on my diet a little bit. I think that is just a really good mental thing, um, at least for myself, just get away from it for a bit and just take a break from being so dialed in with my nutrition. Now, with that said, I know there are certain people where there's like, I just don't crave that stuff anymore. I have athletes like this, like coach, I don't crave that stuff. I don't want that stuff. That doesn't sound fun to me. Then like, by all means, don't, don't force yourself to eat donuts because you're like, Ryan ate donuts in the last season, <laughs> right? Like, like stick to a diet that you like and enjoy. But let's talk about how your macros should shift. So what I like to advise with our athletes, which if you're one of our athletes, you know this, is like a higher carb diet. So right around like 50% carb, right around 25% protein, 25% fat, ballparking, right? And and obviously tweaking things for each athlete. And not all of our athletes do that. Like I'm totally cool working with keto athletes, working with every kind of diet athletes. My goal is simply to help them refine their diet, experiment with their diet, find the diet that they feel best on. I have, I have zero agenda with trying to just get people on you know, a certain diet or macro split because I like it, right? They need to find what works for them. So that really is like our goal in working with our athletes to run free. Now, with that said, in the off season, we're focusing on restoring hormonal health, right? So endurance activities, whether or not you're super lean or not, doing endurance stuff is hard on your body hormonally. I don't have time to get into the science and studies and plus that's not really my you know, my area of expertise, like rattling off studies that I've read about this, but this is like real world experience, real world numbers, working with athletes, observing athletes, talking to athletes, best athletes in the world, best runners in the world anyways. And just knowing that endurance activities, I think most people would agree is really hard hormonally on your body. So taking that two week period is a great time to step back from those activities to potentially do things like weight training. Although I am honestly not a fan of doing that in that off period i'm more a fan of like let's take two weeks of just like nothing or running every other day just to keep your wheels kind of spinning but just really short like 30 minute sessions and then introducing the weights after this kind of two week period 
but you can continue to build your hormonal health through the weight training, but we don't really necessarily want to zap your legs during your rest period. That kind of defeats the purpose. So weights, you know, muscularly can be very tough on your body. So I like to wait till after a two week period to start getting into those, those weights. Um, but in terms of what we can do during that two week break, nutritionally is increasing your fat intake, right? So typically, you know, I've thrown out around 25% of your daily um, calories coming from fat when you're running. And this is a great time to increase that. But when you increase that, depending on what your goals are to gain, maintain, or lose weight, you are gonna wanna adjust your calories in other spots. So when you're not doing the endurance activity, I think this is a great time to reduce the carb intake. You obviously don't need the carbs as much to fuel your performance, to fuel your workouts, um, and you can kind of step back from that high carb diet and increase your fat intake and also increase your protein intake. That's what I'd really advise during this time where maybe your macros shift from being more to being like say 30% protein, 30% fat, and 40% carb, right? Or maybe even more than that. Maybe it's like 35%, 35% and then 30%. I th I'd actually kind of go more with that route. So 35% fat, 35% protein and about 30% um, carb would be great. You're going to restore your hormonal health that way. Make sure they're healthy fats. Um, when I think of healthy fats, I think of things like grass-fed butter, um, coconut oil, MTC oil, um, extra virgin olive oil, those things, like not fried food, right? This is not the time to be like, all right, take me to KFC, time to hit some some fried fried chicken, you know? That, that's not the kind of fats we're looking for. We're looking for the fats, avocados, nuts, things that are gonna be really nutrient-dense fats that are gonna offer a lot to your body to restore its hormonal health. Egg yolks, another great one for um, restoring hormonal health. And then I love to up the protein intake as well. You know, your body muscularly is trying to restore itself and we wanna give it the building blocks it needs to do that. So increasing your pro protein intake through healthy proteins, um, you know, no matter what you are, whether you're vegan, vegetarian, or meat eater, like you can find healthy proteins to Give your body the building blocks it needs to restore itself so manipulating your macros i think is really really important in that two-week break and then if your goal is to lose weight uh, this can be a diet that's super helpful for that you know like um, reducing your carb intake you're going to hold less water so probably lose some water weight and some weight just by reducing your carb intake. Um, but also things like protein, super satiating, and it's it's the hardest macro for your body to convert into fat. It's fairly easy for your body to convert extra carbs into fat. Um, pretty hard for it to do the same thing with protein. So it can be a really good diet also for if you're trying to lose a couple pounds and get yourself within that kind of five to 10 pounds over race weight uh, range that I was talking about earlier. All right, so. Let's see, make sure I'm talking about everything I wanna hit here. Yeah, so let's maybe go into some questions that you guys might potentially have for this off period, this two weeks after your goal race. So I was kind of brainstorming some questions. One's, uh, one that I came up with was, uh, should you fast during your break time? So this would be more probably someone who, like, so I'm a Christian, 
fasting is kind of a part of what Christians are encouraged to do. And, uh, and it's a great, a great discipline to have, right? Like there's a ton of value in fasting and even been shown to like have health benefits to fast. So if you guys saw my film, you saw that I fasted one time during this two week break that I'm talking about. Cause I was like, man, I just want to like really hear God's voice, get super close to him. And it was amazing for that, but it was not, the right time for me to do that um yeah my my pastor actually gave a message about that he's like i think david or solomon or one of those guys like proclaimed a fast for his army before they went into battle and then they just got like destroyed and his point with that is like you don't do a physical fast before you're like taking on a huge physical feat and that was really helpful even though it came a little bit too late for me but i always reflect back on that and be like yeah that was stupid if you saw the 41st day uh, the documentary that came out about me recently you you saw that part and that was one of those things where i was kind of cringing as i was watching the movie watching myself do that and i was like don't do it don't do it I wish I could go back and do that one again. But my heart was right, right? Like I, I had good intentions behind it, but it just good intentions also have to be met with good timing, right? So it's intentions plus timing where good things happen. And uh, the intentions were right, but my timing was just couldn't be more off. So I don't think if, if you're like me where you need to add weight in off season, fasting is obviously not a good thing for you to do. Now, if you're not in that category and maybe you know, you're being like, man, I want to just get down to within 10 pounds of my racing weight during this off season, then fasting could be something that you entertain, an idea that you think about. But just really take that seriously, you know, like talk that one over with your coach, friends, other athletes, doctor even. Um, fasting does do some good things to the body, but athletically speaking, it can be pretty depleting, right? Like I remember coming back from my fast and just feeling pretty weak, pretty depleted, like I didn't have a whole lot to give. So just take that into consideration if you're thinking that might be a route you can go. So I know I'm not giving you a super direct answer here, but in general, I'd say probably not the best time to do fasting. Um, and then on that note, should you do like these detox diets, right? So we see these all the time. And actually that reminds me of a previous podcast where I went through examine.com's like, I think it was 20 nutritional myths of 2020 or something like that. And uh, detox was one of the things that we talked about on there. So if you want, you can go back and listen to that podcast. But basically those guys came to the conclusion, if I'm remembering correctly, that detoxing wasn't all that beneficial. So should you detox during this time? If your goal is to gain weight, then definitely not. I don't think you're not gonna gain weight by going on a detox diet. Um, but like I said, you should have a nutrient dense diet. So we do wanna be eating foods that are just nourishing the heck out of your body during this two week break. Like when I think about recovery nutrition, I'm like, just flood the body with nutrients. Just flood it with good quality food. And what do I mean by that? I just mean, as close to how God made things as possible. So if I go back and do everything over again, I'd still put on the 10 pounds, but I'd do it by eating nutrient dense foods. And yes, like I said, relaxing on my diet, eating some sweets there too, but eating just a ton of nutrient packed food. And I really know that I would have come into those buildups um, feeling much better than how junky I felt off eating the junk food binge for two weeks straight diet. Um, so detoxing, should you do it? 
should you not I, th I think this one guys like you have freedom there but in general i wouldn't if it's something that you're stoked on doing then I'd be like yeah like like go for it but like i said if you're trying to put on weight it's gonna be very difficult to do that and do a detox diet at the same time i'd rather instead of like detox like let's actually give our body everything it needs to restore itself completely rather than like deplete it of a whole bunch of things and then just throw some things at it that are nourishing if that makes sense um let's talk caffeine during uh, this two-week break period so this is a great time to also restore like adrenal stuff right and so caffeine definitely can uh, lead to adrenal fatigue um, so this is actually a great time to step back from coffee a little bit so what might that look like could just be like, you know, I'm gonna do decaf days where it's like one caffeinated day, one decaf day, and just kind of step back, give my body a little bit of a break. I was never great at doing this, guys. So I'm kind of speaking about like what would I recommend? And then what I did were two different things, which, you know, like is a point of tension for me. I wish that I was better at it. It's just for me, like break meant like relaxing on everything. And that's very much like kind of my personality. And that's not, you know that's that's not gonna be true across the board because you guys all we don't all have the same personality you know um but for me like i need to just kind of like cut loose enjoy foods i didn't normally have coffee every day because normally i didn't have coffee every day normally it was like three times a week so but again if i go back and do things differently i would have relaxed on the caffeine intake and why is it so important to relax on the caffeine intake during this time is because we want to also I just did a post about um, sleep so we want to sleep as much as humanly possible during this two-week period because like I said we're trying to restore the body as much as we possibly can and sleep is such a critical way to do that and caffeine definitely like I think the half-life of caffeine is like 12 hours so 12 hours after you drink your coffee like half of the caffeine is still in your system so that is going to mess with your sleep even if you're used to regular caffeine intake so this is a great time to like step back from that because then you're going to sleep better at night you're going to sleep more soundly you're going to sleep through the night your sleep quality is just going to go up and that's going to help your body restore itself along with the nutrients and the nutrition that i'm talking about so yes this is a great time to kind of step back from caffeine if you have better willpower than me and you can actually do that <laughs> all right um so now guys i kind of want last little section here is just talking about like okay so we're we're kind of talking about um recovery nutrition so we talked about what should you do in the two weeks after let's talk about like immediately after a hard workout now and immediately after your races what should you be eating I did an Instagram video about this too, so you can check that out on my Instagram, Ryan Hall 3, if you're interested in seeing the actual video. But I'm going to kind of talk about what I talked about in the video here. And that's just to keep things. Well, first off, let me frame it this way. I heard a podcast recently and it was with this uh, legendary bodybuilder who's now a coach. And I just, I just love what he had to say about this because, you know, there's a lot of like talk about like this post rate, post race, post hard workout recovery window and like a time when like sugar is actually good for you and a time where you can eat and it doesn't spill over into fat it's just going to go straight into your system into your legs um, and kick off recovery right and so there's a lot of different camps on whether or not you need to do this or whether or not you should do this 
And I love what, what this guy said. I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, but he said, you know, I'm not looking for like what can my athletes get away with. I'm looking for like what is optimal. And that really resonated with me because and, and just give some clarity on this issue. Because can you get away with not eating post hard race, post hard workout? Of course, like there, there's definitely pro athletes that I've seen and observed that do that and they're running great, right? Now the question is always, can they run even better if they, or just a tiny bit better, a fraction better if they were taking advantage of this post hard workout, post race window? of time to fuel where it's gonna be optimal for recovery? And I think the answer is yes. Um, I'm a huge fan of keeping things as simple as possible, post hard workout, post hard race. And guys, if your stomach is an issue and you're just like, man, it's really hard for me to like take in anything. I just, you know, my, my stomach's just unsettled. I just don't feel like eating. It's a really good time to take in liquid calories. And you, there might be times where you kind of have to force it down, you know? Um, this might be a time where most of the time my take with nutrition is like, listen to your body, listen to your body, listen to your body. But this might be one of those times where it's like, all right, you got to override it right now. And you just need to get in these calories because it's going to kick off your recovery. You're going to recover quicker, which is going to enable you to next time you get to your next workout, you're going to be feeling better, stronger, and then you're going to be able to push harder in that workout. You're going to get more out of that workout. It's just going to create this cycle of like, going into workouts fresher and getting more out of it. And then I'm recovering faster. And it's just like, you're just building momentum this way. So now let's talk about what should you eat? So I made a huge mistake. I started working with this um, when I was around professionally. I started working with this nutritionist at Stanford and it was great. He was telling me how like, you know, you want to slow down the absorb absorption of carbohydrates in your diet by taking in high fiber veggies right before you take in any kind of carbohydrate. So I was like, cool. Like I'm gonna do the same thing for my post-workout snack. And so I, I was literally like eating green snap peas, like right after I'd finished my workouts and then, and then eat my like simple sugars and whey protein, my shake. And uh, afterwards, you know, learning more about nutrition, I was like, that was so stupid. That was the whole point of eating post-hard workout right afterwards is because your muscles are open to receiving glucose but you want to get in there as quick as possible. So the goal is not to slow down the absorption of your calories, right? The goal is to like insert it, get it in your body quickly, right? We want something to hit your system fast. So that's why this is a great time to eat simple carbohydrates. So what do I mean by simple carbohydrates? Sugar-free candy. Why, sh uh, not sugar-free candy? Is that, oh, that is a thing. But no, not sugar-free candy. <laughs> sugar is the point. Sugar-filled candy. Um, Fat-free candy is what I meant to say. So you don't want fat intake in this post-workout meal. The reason why is fat slows down the absorption of your carbohydrates, of your protein, which is great for the rest of the day. But post hard workout, post hard race, like I said, you want those things to get into your system quickly. So we're trying to replenish your muscular glucose as soon as possible. So fat-free candy, Skittles, Twizzlers, like gummies. I love gummies, so good, gummy worms. Um, like you don't gotta feel guilty about eating those foods. Now, if you're like, you know, I've definitely gone like the ultra healthy route where I'm just like, dude, I just, I'm sorry, I can't eat gummy worms. Like I've been there before. So if that's you, like there are other things you can eat, like chocolate milk, uh, regular milk, for example, 
people don't realize this, but regular milk is super high in sugar, which is great post-workout, but not good the rest of the day, right? So if you're trying to keep your sugar intake low, like drinking milk is not the way to go unless it's post-workout. So that's what makes it such a good chocolate milk. Is That's why it's such a good post-workout recovery snack because it's really high in sugar. Um, so simple sugars, um, juice can be another thing. Juice is in gen again juice is just like really high in sugar so if you're trying to watch your sugar intake like juice is like oh man so healthy so good you see people walking around drinking their juice and whole foods and you know feeling so fit feeling so good about drinking their super healthy juice <laughs> and i've done that too um and i think that's fine post-workout but like there's a lot of sugar in juice guys like if like pick up a, a canned juice thing like even if you get like the most natural one a bottled juice at the health food store and look at the sugar intake on that thing like there's a ton it's ton of sugar and are there other good things in that of course yeah there's there's lots of other good things in that but I'd recommend just eating the whole food and getting the fiber that comes, that's supposed to come with the delivery of that, right? So we're kind of like isolating the taste and the sugar and the vitamins, yes, but we're, we're taking out all the fiber that's supposed to come with the delivery of that fruit or of that carrot, for example. So juice can be something that's good to eat, but kind of leads me to my next point, And that is you want to av avoid um, high antioxidant foods post-workout. Why? So the, the science and study on this, and I got this from Steve Magnus, um, is that you want your body to respond to the stress that you just caused it in your workout. And you don't want to introduce exogenous forms of recovery until it's been a good three to four hours. So that's why you shouldn't ice bath. You shouldn't massage. Stretching is fine. But you don't want to do things that is helping your body to recover. Because it's kind of like if you help your body recover, then it stops like needing to do it itself. So it's like we want our body to respond and, and to that stress and, and use everything that it has to help itself recover before we help it out, right? So that's the idea behind that. And juice typically high in vitamin C and other vitamins and antioxidants. And so not, not necessarily a great time to be drinking those, which is why like literally you need to go like the simple sugar route, which might take some time for you to like be okay with that. But man, once I got through the, the being like, oh, I feel like super unhealthy buying these gummy worms, like it still feels a little bit weird for me to like throw them in the shopping cart. It's like our shopping cart is just like packed with like organic vegetables, all this healthy stuff, sweet potatoes, um, grass fed meats. And then like I'll throw in some gummy worms, Twizzlers. And I'm sure the people at checkout are like, dude, you're so close to like having a perfect cart here. <laughs> now you got this junk in here. So it might take a little bit of mental just processing to be okay to, to buy those things. But it is a great time to just eat that simple sugar um, and keeping that fat intake low. And then also simple proteins. What are simple proteins? Whey proteins, one of the quickest proteins that can get into your system. Egg whites are another one if you want to go the more kind of natural route. I just go like grass-fed whey protein. And how much you should intake both of the carbs and protein obviously depends a lot on your size. It also depends a lot on the workout you just did. So if you just ran a marathon, you should be taking in a lot more than if you just ran 10 by 400 meters on the track, right? So um, 
I, I'd have to do a whole other podcast on how to dial that in. I, I don't know if I want to necessarily go too far down that bunny trail, but just be aware of like, typically for me, what I'd shoot for when I was running professionally, being around 140 pounds, five foot 10, doing marathon training after my hard workouts, I was taking in about 400 calories of simple carbohydrate and then taking in about 25 grams of protein through whey protein to go with that. So just to give you an idea what someone my size would take in post hard workout, post race, that that's it. So no veggies in that one, guys. Do not eat the green snap peas. And isn't that good news? <laughs> All right, we're almost done here, guys. Um, last thing when I think about recovery nutrition is I flash back to waking up in the middle of the night, being super hungry, because I was, like I said, going into these marathon buildups about 10 pounds over my race weight. So it wasn't uncommon for me to wake up hungry. And like I said, I was, I was losing about half a pound a week, give or take. And, uh, and I, would, I would be hungry in the middle of the night. And so what I'd do is I'd wake up and I would eat, I'd just get like a mug full of healthy cereal, like a all brand, say for example, something along those lines, a high fiber, lower sugar cereal. I put in a scoop of, um, I was using muscle milk at that time, muscle milk protein powder, and uh, and eat that like in the middle of the night. And man, that just felt like I was really fueling myself well. You know, when we think about sleep, it's when our body restores itself, rebuilds itself. It's when we recover the most, right? So why not give it the nutrients it needs to do that optimally. So a little bit of protein, a little bit of carb, and it also just helped my sleep quality a ton. So I would you know, get up in the middle of the night, probably have to go pee is why I woke up, and then be like super hungry, eat that mug of cereal plus protein, and then I noticed I'd sleep super sound and really hard after that. Whereas if I didn't eat that, and I just, like, just battle it off, I need to lean out, and not eat that, I would feel, I'd just lay awake in bed for like two hours trying to fall back asleep, wake up feeling super tired. So yeah, that was something that was super helpful for me when I was running professionally, was just to have that midnight snack and have that be another element of recovery. So that's all I got, guys, on recovery nutrition. I hope this has been helpful for you guys. We've got some cool podcasts coming your way. Um, we are going to talk to my little brother, Chad, next week. I'm stoked on that episode. He's such a cool dude. Just stoked to introduce him to you guys. So keep a watch out for that. Until next time, guys, happy training.